Would you turn to the Gospel of John? And would you find the 10th chapter, please? John's Gospel, chapter 10. When I was in school, and I don't think this would change very much, I think I saw this in some of the work that my children did when they were in school, is that in your English classes you were taught not to mix metaphors. Um, example would be that some people sail through life on a bed of roses. That's mixing metaphors. One that I picked up, and you may have picked it up in the news. Um, please, please don't mistake me for an English critic all the time, but it is fun for me. The subject of global warming seems clouded in the sea of research. That's mixing metaphors. Well, I have good news for you if you're a student or a writer, whereas the books will tell you and teachers will tell you not to mix metaphors, Jesus did it all the time and he did it well. Now that will not stand up on an exam if you put, but Jesus did, but it does work today in the message. We're going to learn how Jesus combines metaphors to make his point. I'm reading verses 7 to 10. Although my primary focus would be to unpack what Jesus is saying in these verses to us, it is also to prepare us and shape us for our time of communion at the Lord's table. John 10, 7 to 10. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you keep your Bibles open and just gaze at different parts that of, of your scriptures that I want to point you to, before chapter 10, particularly in verses 9, or chapter 9, verse 40 to 41, there's a question of the Pharisees that is hanging like a bomb over the air, ready to explode. And the question that the Pharisees ask of Jesus is, are we also blind? That's that huge question. Jesus has just healed 
a man that was born blind from birth. He, he then explained what he did to the Pharisees and even further explained it through the parable of the Good Shepherd. The parable of the Good Shepherd illustrates what just took place in chapter 9. The man opened, had his eyes opened by Jesus. Jesus came to the sheepfold and he called that man by name. That man heard his, the voice of the Savior and he eventually responded to the voice of the Savior. He recognized him as the Messiah and he worshipped him. That same man that was born blind now can see, heard the voice of the Pharisees, and what did he hear? He heard the voice of thieves and robbers, and he did not listen to them. The parable is explaining what just took place. This man clearly saw the Pharisees as thieves and robbers and did not listen. And the Pharisees felt indicted by this whole scenario. Are we also blind? And the rhetorical answer is yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And verse 6, even though Jesus explains what happened through an illustration through a parable, they still don't get it, reflecting just how terribly blind they are. Ironically, though, that's what parables do. Spiritual parables tend to cut through an audience and divide an audience. Some don't get it. It's just a story. It's a nice story. Some do. Some understand the spiritual importance of it. Parables divide an audience. There was a group of people that heard this parable who didn't understand that Jesus was saying, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Good Shepherd. I'm the one that you've been waiting for. I'm the one that opens blind eyes, spiritually blind eyes. I'm the one who saves. I'm the one who leads you in and out through your life. And Jesus, then in verse 7, moves to try to explain it further. And he changes the metaphor. Notice what he says right away in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Are you the shepherd? Or are you the door? Jesus is now the door. He's communicating the ideas of a door. And so we need to stop and think for a minute. We've kind of wrestled with the idea of what a shepherd is. Okay, I understand the spiritual communication of a shepherd idea, but what's the door? Why did Jesus choose the door? Why did he say, I am the door? Well, doors shut people out, don't they? And doors can shut people in. But there's another, there's a third 
way we use doors. And I don't think Jesus was trying to communicate the fact that he shuts people out or shuts people in. There's a third way we use doors. Doors are like a means of passage. Something we pass through. In order to get from this side to this side, we have to go through a door. It's a means of passage. If you personify it, the door is a person, is a middle person. In order to get from here to there, you have to go to this middle person. The biblical word is mediator, a go-between. So I think Jesus is really emphasizing to this crowd that Yes, he's the shepherd, but he's also the door. He's the door in the sense that you have to go through him to go from one side to the other. He's the shepherd and the door. Jesus is the one who leads you out, but he leads you through himself. Now that doesn't make a bit of sense, but that's what Jesus is communicating. Because he's God, he can say stuff like that. He can say complicated ideas. I am your leader and I lead you through me. I am your shepherd and I'm also where I lead you to. I lead you to me. He's mixing metaphors. But as I said, it's okay. It's hard for us to maybe wrap our minds around, but I think if I say this to you, you, you'll get the point. In a few chapters, Jesus is going to say in John 14, 6, and I'm sure that many of you have even memorized this verse. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, what, comes to the Father but by me. You see what Jesus is teaching? The only difference is here he's saying, I'm also the one to lead you to me. I'm the shepherd and the door. He's the door to the Father. That's the important point. On the inside, on the other side of this passageway, this, this, this means, is the Father. He's the door to the Father. Back in the Old Testament, God used a different metaphor that you're familiar with, some of you. In Genesis chapter 28, he uses the metaphor of the ladder in the life of Jacob. Jacob lays down and he has a dream about a ladder reaching to heaven and angels are going up and down on the ladder and then the New Testament explains what Jacob was, ha what was seeing, what, what, what Jacob was experiencing. The New Testament teaches us that that ladder is Jesus Christ. He's the passageway, he's the door, he's the means, he's the gangplank, he's, he's the stepping stone. Whatever word you want, he's the means to get to the Father. You got to go to Jesus to get to the Father. And when you go through Jesus, what you get is the Father. I'm, I'm emphasizing that because I'm going to, I don't want you to lose that before you leave. The other side of the door is the Father. 
get the Father, you get salvation. When you get the Father, you get someone who wisely cares and provides for you. When you get the Father, and I, I hope you see this, I'm keeping this short, but I hope you see this. When you get the Father, you get abundant life. Don't ever think that the land flowing with milk and honey in the minds of the patriarchs had anything to do with food and dirt. It had all to do with getting the Father. The abundant life promised is the Father. Jesus leads us to the Father. There are other ways that are offered to you and they will destroy you. There are other doors available to you but they will kill you and they will steal from you. But Jesus leads you to the Father. That's why Paul said to Timothy so well in 1 Timothy 2.5 he said, there's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Are you seeing the point? Want the Father? You've got to go to Jesus. And there's only one. There's one God, one mediator. Other mediators will lead you to hell. Other mediators will kill and destroy you. Jesus leads you to the Father. In fact, Peter said in his famous sermon in Acts 4, there is no salvation in any other name under heaven. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to be saved. And through the Father... Or through Jesus Christ to the Father. There are false shepherds and there are false doors. There's one thing in common between false shepherds and false doors is they're all thieves and robbers and they want to kill you. Other so-called messiahs, other so-called ways to God will destroy you. If you enter the wrong door on television, if you're in a game show and you choose the wrong door, you might end up with a Ford or something like that for your life. <laughs> Love you, Rob. In life, you choose the wrong door, you die. It's critical that you know there's only one door. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few.
Those who come through the door find abundant life. They get the Father. Today you will hear false teachers. I say again, false teachers who will tell you to come to Christ for abundant life and that means you are guaranteed good health. They will kill and destroy you if you listen to them. There are false teachers that tell you that if you come to Christ, you will financially become wealthy. They will kill you. There are false teachers that tell you, come to Christ and all things will become happy for you. They lie. There are false teachers that tell you that if you come to Christ, you will become successful in the vocation of your choice. They're out to destroy you. There are false teachers that tell you that if you come to Christ, all your relationship issues will be resolved. You will never have relational problems. I'll tell you that's a lie and they will destroy you if you follow them. There are false teachers that tell you that if you come to Christ, you will triumph at every turn in your life. They are intent on killing you. Jesus says, if you come to me, you get the Father. And that's abundant life. Just think of it for a second. If this blind man had received his sight, if he could, if he could regain 20-20 vision... And at the end of his life, he died and went to hell. What good would his physical eyesight do? For years upon years upon millions and billions of years, in the, in the state of eternal destruction, he will wish that he had never, ever seen anything. He'll wish he'd never been born. But thankfully... Jesus came and gave him eternal life. And whether he's blind or an invalid or poor or left single for the rest of his life, he will find that he has abundant life with the Father. Jesus is the door. There's no other door. There's no other mediator between God and man. There is no other way to God. There is no other place or person or thing that you and I or any human being can find abundant life with the Father than coming through Jesus Christ himself. He is the mediator we're going to gather in a few minutes around this table, so to speak, and we're going to do what Jesus commands us to do. He says, when you do this, remember me. So as I close, let me give you some things to remember about Jesus as we commune with the Father through Christ by the Holy Spirit. Remember that it is the great mediator it is because of the great mediator that we can stand before God clothed in the righteousness 
of, God, of Christ himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It is because of the great mediator that our sin was exchanged for his righteousness. It is because of the great mediator that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal life. It is because of the ongoing work of this great mediator that we have an advocate with the Father. Today, as I'm speaking to you, as you're listening, as we're worshiping together, we have an advocate with the Father. This is the shepherd. This is the door. He's still being a door to the Father. And he's advocating us. The context is that John says, I would you not sin, but if you do sin, you have an advocate. And when your sin and my sin, if we're Christians, goes before the throne room of heaven this morning, Christ can say to the Father, I paid for that sin. My blood was shed for that sin. There is no charge that can stick. There's no condemnation that can stand. It's paid in full. He's our door in heaven today. It's because of the great mediator that we can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? Beloved, who stands between you and every enemy? Who stands between you and every foe? Who stands before you in every difficult situation? When the Apostle Paul was on his final days before the emperor of Rome, he said, everyone has forsaken me. But Christ was with me. Christ was with me. It's because of the great mediator that you can say, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's because of the great mediator that we can assert, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies you. God cannot say out of one mouth, you're justified, you are righteousness, you're righteous, but out of the other mouth say, okay, let's find the guy guilty. He can't do that. He's not duplicitous. He's fair. He's righteous. It is because of the great mediator that we rest in the truth. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who's interceding for us. Church, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? And it all is because Jesus said, I am the door. We can come to the Father through Christ and receive abundant life. And nothing can stick to us because it has to come through Jesus. And that's only true. That is only true if you are authentically a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is only true this morning for you and I if we are authentically 
born of the Spirit, and the reflection of our, of our, of our lives is such that what we profess to believe, we live it out through the day. That is only true of us if we are a people who are very conscious of our own sin and very conscious of our Savior at the same time. This is only true of us if you're a Christian by a biblical definition. But if you are, as many of you are, then I would invite you to prepare yourself to gather with us, so to speak, around the Lord's table. To remember that not only is Jesus the shepherd, and not only is Jesus the door, Jesus is also the sacrifice. All at the same time. And next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll talk more about that. As he goes on to say that I lay down my life for the sheep. This morning I'd ask you to gather your thoughts. And I, for those who like to keep notes, I've given you notes to help you. Help you remember. That when we celebrate the Lord's t table today, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father but through him. But for those that he leads to himself, he is the one who exchanges our sin for his righteousness. He is the one who intercedes for us in the courtrooms of heaven. He is the one that stands between us and all charges of evil. He is greatly the great mediator.